Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're having a very special EdCast. This is actually a guest suggested by Richard Branch, a listener of the Harvard EdCast, based on someone who was coming to the Harvard campus. He's the co-founder of the Brilliant Club and researchers in schools. His name's Simon Coyle, and he's here at the Harvard Ed School today. Welcome. Hi, thanks very much for having me. So Simon, most people probably haven't heard of the Brilliant Club or researchers in schools. So before we even kick off this conversation, why don't you give our audience some context about what it is you do and kind of why you're here today at Harvard. Absolutely. So the Brilliant Club uh, is an educational charity based in the UK uh, and exists to increase the number of pupils from disadvantaged backgrounds, so from poor socioeconomic or in other ways materially deprived or culturally deprived, whatever, um, to increase the number of those pupils going on to highly selective universities. Uh, the way we do that is that we recruit and train and then place PhD students into non-selective state schools where they deliver programs of university-style learning. Um, and so really what we're trying to do is emulate university learning, so it's small group tutorials, I mean pedagogically it's quite discursive, maybe groups of up to six. Um, but also what we're trying to do is to spread university-style thinking and, and material. So what we're not doing is sending you know, researchers in to go and help with GCSEs or high school you know, typical work. We're sending them in to, you know, to deliver tutorials based around their own research. Um, so the charity was founded uh, four years ago by myself and fellow co-founder Johnny Sobchik. We'd both been teachers on the Teach First program uh, and taught in inner city London schools. Um, I think we had the Teach First founder on this show as, as well. Oh, Brett, did you? Yeah. yeah. Brett oh. Wigdort? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so it was founded about four years ago. Um, this year we worked with around 5,000 pupils um, in, in the UK from ages 10 to 18. Uh, and obviously the agenda is to try and help support them to go into the most selective universities. Um, so that's the Brilliant Club. Um, and just to be really clear, the, the Brilliant Club is the pupils, not us. We often get picked up because it's, you know, it's a slightly stupid name, it's a goofy name, um, but people think you know, it's, it's an arrogance. We're not the Brilliant Club, you know, we're just uh, two sort of hardworking teachers. Yeah. Um, off the you, you look pretty smart though. All right, okay, well thank you. <laughs> you can't see my shorts. <laughs> um, it's just audio. <laughs> Um, and so off the back of our experiences, you know, working with schools across the UK, um, you know, non-selective state schools, we saw that there might be an opportunity for some of the researchers we were placing as tutors to become, you know, full-time teachers. We were getting lots of positive feedback from schools, from teachers saying, you know, your, your tutors are great, is there any way we can get them in? Um, and so basically we have worked in partnership with two schools, two leading state schools uh, in London, Lambton School, uh, where Richard is actually going to go on uh, and be a teacher, uh, through the Researchers in Schools programme and uh, George Abbott, which is a training school um, and basically it's a school-centered program which I'm not sure if you have in the States but basically what that means is the accrediting body will be the school the training will be delivered by the school um, and really it's a teacher training program unique to researchers and what it's aiming to do is to increase subject expertise also to disseminate research methodologies and academic research and lastly to to pursue that uh, widening access agenda too um, so it's a two-year program uh, at a minimum and there's opportunity to go on further and basically what it means is that the PhD students or well doctoral, postdoctoral researchers um, will have one day free a week to pursue their research um, and that might be around educational pedagogy or uh, it might be kind of continuing their thesis or research projects as well as training to teach in a school. Sorry, that's a slightly long-winded answer. But yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's what we do. Fantastic. It seems like this is a really beautiful model that synthesizes all these different levels of learning. It sort of scaffolds up and down. And I'm curious, where did you come up with this model and how have you seen this model work elsewhere? Or is this sort of the only place... I mean, I, this model seems very unique, and is there an expectation for expansion as well? Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where, uh, uh, you know, 
what's the phrase I'm looking for? You know, circumstances, the mother of invention or whatever. Johnny and myself were, had just finished the Teach First program. We were doing a little bit of work for Teach First. We were sat in the back of a room discussing whether it would be possible to get academics to work in schools. Uh, my mum is an academic. She's the head of school at Aberdeen University. Johnny's sister was doing a PhD in neuroscience at the University of Oxford. And we started thinking, you know, well, can, can we get either someone like my mum or like Johnny's yeah. sister into a school? Uh, as it turned out, we did. We got Johnny's uh, sister's flatmates. Um, and it really just kind of snowballed from there. And I think it is uh, relatively unique, although there's, there's no kind of, there's no magic behind it. It's just, you know, placing smart, talented, passionate people into school. Um, it's just something that wasn't being systematically done um, in the UK, other than by universities. So my understanding is that the Brilliant Club is the only non-university body that systematically places PhD students into schools. Um, and actually, one of the things I was saying to Richard on the walkover is that I think that it's it's been well received in the UK for some structural reasons and I think you know my understanding of the kind of graduate schools and, and postgraduate study in the US is limited but from what I know it's very structured uh, you know you have teaching opportunities you're there for a longer time uh, you know the campuses are, are quite holistic and there's lots of opportunity whereas in the UK you know our, our tutors don't necessarily have the opportunity to do undergraduate teaching aren't always satisfied with the training opportunities they get so I think there was a kind of a unique blend uh, that, that helped it to be successful in the UK and it was really off the back of the success of the Brilliant Club that you know researchers in schools came around and again I mean uh, it's not something we've researched massively but there don't seem to be uh, many kind of uh, teacher training programs specifically for postgraduates, uh, for postdoctoral uh, candidates. And so that's a really interesting opportunity for us because, like I say, I think that they can bring in subject expertise, you know, take that as a given. They can bring in either the research methodologies that they already have or hopefully demonstrate an openness to new ones that can be, you know, put into place in the, uh, in the school context. And lastly, can be really effective champions for university access. We often say, you know, they're at the top of the game. They've done pretty much everything there is to do in a university, often at different institutions, and can be really great role models uh, for their subject, for their for their institutions to pupils. Um, so the models, yeah, it's gone quite well. We work with a number of universities uh, in the UK, so King's College London, uh, the University of Warwick, um, Oxford Cambridge, um, and one of our challenges, if you like, is to try and extend that because we think it could be a systemic programme. Um, really the key for us is trying to find ways that it really works and supports universities' agendas as well as you know the, the school background from which we come. You said this has been going on for about four years now? Um, well, I guess Johnny and I left the classroom four years ago. Um, really the organization was founded sort of two and a half years ago. We had a, an interim period where we were piloting and getting things up and running. So you're sort of in your early stages. You almost are very innovative. You're almost like a startup in some ways. Yeah, I think we've probably, the way we feel ourselves is that we've probably exited the startup phase for the Brilliant Club, although researchers in schools is now in its first year. So we're kind of in between. But, you know, the brilliant, one of the really interesting things for me has been coming from, you know, a university into teaching, now effectively running a small organization. You know, there's lots and lots of stuff to learn, and that's where a lot of the challenge comes. Um, but the Brilliant Club, you know, we placed around 250 PhD students into schools last year, so there are part-time employees. We've got a really strong team of about 15 full-time employees. And one of the nice things is seeing how, you know, some of them are from academic backgrounds, some from teaching backgrounds, and it's exactly as you said earlier, you know, trying to really sort of, there's an artificial gap sometimes between school and university. Um, and, it, it, you know, that plays out day by day when we're working uh, kind of in close quarters. Yeah, make that a, a fluid transition from one to the next. Uh, curious, a lot of people in education always are curious about measurement and you know you can have certain people placed in certain areas in schools but how do you anecdotally or quantitatively 
decide whether something's working or not. And I'm curious, uh, a lot of education organizations use data and metrics to come up with some sort of idea of, is this working or where are the challenges? How can we improve? And I'm curious, what are your sort of markers for excellence and success? Yeah, um, it's a challenging issue and a challenging question. I suppose the first thing to say is, you know, our, our final measurement is how many of the pupils are we getting to go to highly selective universities, although you immediately complicate that when you introduce, you know, who wouldn't have already been going. So it is a challenge and, you know, I think uh, the impact side of things is one area where there's lots of work to be done. The way we've always gone about it is thought, okay, well, that's our end goal is to get, you know, pupils into university. Um, and a really crucial part of that is attainment. Uh, you know, they, they won't get in without a good grade profile. But we also feel that there are other really good programs that exist solely to improve grades. And ours isn't necessarily about that. You know, we could be very effective and we could use our resource to go in. And like I said earlier, uh, it's what we don't do, but we could, you know, put PhD students in to tutor pupils once a week to, to kind of get a, a B grade at A level up to an A. That's not really what we're about. And there are a few reasons for that. One is because we want to make best use of, you know, the, the researchers and, and what they can bring. But also, I think coming from a school background, you know, we want to not necessarily just target individual pupils, but actually bring the culture of academia and research into wider school cohorts. So we'll typically work with maybe 72 pupils in a school in a year, 24 in a year group. Um, so we want to do more than just raise attainment. Um, so what we look to do is to increase uh, their knowledge, their skills, and their ambition. And to be honest with you, you know, a way a lot of the ways we've done that historically is through kind of surveys. Through we mark uh, all of the work that they produce almost to a, um, a key stage above. So I don't know if there's a kind of a, a similar system in the in the U.S. But basically, if we're working with a GCSE pupil at age 16, we will mark them as if they were uh, you know an A-level pupil at age 18. So trying to push them in that way. Um, and, you know, anecdotally, the first group, the original Brilliant Club, actually was 19 pupils in the school where we placed uh, Johnny's, you know, uh, sister's flatmates. And of those 19 kids, um, it was the case when we started, I think, that three uh, pupils were getting five A-star to A-grades. By the time we finished, it was 12. And by the time they sat their GCSEs, it was 15. The, the really clear thing to be clear about, you know, is I don't know how much of a role we played in that, and I don't expect it was massive. The head teacher uh, there has you know, said that there was a, definitely a cohort effect, and it changed the conversations that they had about learning, but it, it's, it's very hard to be tangible. Ultimately, um, 12 of those pupils went on to highly selective universities, so it was you know, a little qualitative uh, or anecdote. You know, we see it like that, we get lots of good feedback, the challenge for us now is to, I suppose, consistently deliver, um, reliably deliver outcomes. So one of one really interesting and exciting uh, development for the charities we're working with um, a philanthropic organisation called Impetus Private Equity Foundation in the UK, who have a really kind of uh, systematic methodology. Uh, actually, we'll be going through in the next few months um, a theory of change workshop. You know, bringing our board in, bringing experts in, and really trying to nail down. You know, there are lots of questions that we don't yet have answers to about what's the what's the variable uh, or what are the factors that, that lead to different outcomes um, and yeah and so that's the journey we're on um, I think we've got kind of a, a loose set but what we're looking for is progression you know grades and some of those other markers that, that maybe aren't as easy to, to quantify. It sounds like that's all happening now Simon I know there's gonna be people listening in the United States going we want to bring this model across the pond uh, 
where can people find out more about this? Where can we? Where can people learn about how to engage with either br the Brilliant Club or researchers in schools or your work? How can they follow you? Um, so, well, we're on uh, we're on the web, so www.thebrilliantsclub.org and www.researchersinschools.org. Um, I would also I'm very happy to give out kind of my personal email address, which is Simon at thebrilliantsclub.org. Um, we're very interested um, in in listening to people and suggestions and feedback and criticism in in the, in the whole range. Particularly, it's always been of interest to me, and, and one of the reasons actually that we're out here, we're accompanying a summer school for uh, you know for pupils in the UK who you know might come on to some of the Ivy League schools. Um, and one of the kind of the draws for me to come to the states was to look at the model and think, well, you know, could something like this work in the US? Because as I kind of alluded to earlier, I'm not sure if the structural uh, you know, uh, structural foundations are in place, or if there's the demand and the supply could all hook up. But you know, we think that ultimately, you know, a small university-style classroom is pretty similar, you know, in the US and in the UK. There's obviously a huge number of PhD students here, and we know that typically a lot of the Ivy League schools are in proximity to neighbourhoods where, you know, the public schools there are pupils that might benefit. So it's really for people to tell me if you think it could work. I think it's something that we're we're interested in in looking at. Um, uh, yeah, original phase has obviously been starting at the Brilliant Club and looking at researchers in schools, and I think actually as we start to you know become uh, you know not household name, but you know as things become stable, it's about looking well how could this work? Could this work in the U.S.? Could this work in Europe? You know what are the different socio or cultural uh, you know influences? Simon Coyle, co-founder of the Brilliant Club and researchers in schools. Uh, Look out for this guy. I think big things are going to happen with him and his group. We also want to thank Richard Branch for suggesting this great interview today. Listeners, if you have anyone you'd like to suggest for the Harvard EdCast, please feel free to get in touch with us using our Twitter account, at HGSE. Simon Coyle, thank you so much for being on the EdCast today. Thanks very much. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.